Thanks for checking out our Legacy Church podcast. We know you'll be blessed and encouraged. Now here's today's message. Let the lion roar. I'm going to welcome those who are watching online. Come on, give it up for Legacy Nation, those who are watching online from all different states. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Today, I want to talk about perspective and expectation. I thought Crystal was going to end up preaching my sermon when she's up here. (laughs) See, perspective, your perspective and your expectation is what releases God's potential in your life. How you see God. Your perspective of the Lord will ultimately determine your expectation of Him. And your expectation of Him will ultimately release His potential in and through your life. Some see God as a good God, as an available God. Others see Him as as a God who's aloof, far off, and others see him as non-existent. And then there's some who judge God and see God. Their perspective of God is based upon their past experiences. But today, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to give you fresh insight. He wants to give you fresh perspective fresh expectation not based on what has happened in your past but based on what he says can happen in your future with the lord with god all things are possible second corinthians 5:17 therefore if anyone is in christ the new creation has come the old has gone The new is here. Come on, how many of you can thank God that you're no longer living in your broken past, but you're living in a new creation? What God is doing now and what God wants to do in your future. Romans 8.28 says, If we, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. See, the Bible wants us to know. When you know something, you know it. No one can convince you otherwise. When you have an experience with Jesus, with his Holy Spirit, something shifts from knowing about God to knowing him. No one can convince you That God is not real. That he's non-existent. Because you've had an experience with him. You know that you know that you know that the Lord is with you and loves you and died for you. You know. Your faith really can be measured by your perspective and your expectation. If you want to see where someone's faith is, look at their perspective on life and look at their expectation. 
Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, in order to have faith, you have to have hope. And hope defined is a feeling of expectation. Hope is expecting. Hope is expecting. Hope comes from a perspective of expecting certain things to happen. While everyone saw the cross as a curse upon mankind, everyone saw the cross as a final destruction of someone's life. Jesus' perspective was completely different. He saw the cross as his final and greatest victory. He saw the cross, he saw his suffering as his way to overcome the power of sin, the power of death, his way to overcome the forces of hell that would grip humanity. His perspective was completely different. And because his perspective was different, he had an expectation. And his expectation was that God is who he says he is, that his word is true, and his word says that on the third day, I will rise again. We thank God, come on, that Jesus had the right perspective and he had the right expectation. God wants us to live with the right perspective and the right expectation in our lives. That God is who he says he is and he does what he says that he will do. It's your perspective. It's your attitude. It's your expectation that allows God to release his potential. See, a wrong perspective limits God. A wrong attitude limits God. It's not that God can't do it, but God operates in faith. He operates in your faith. He operates in your perspective about him. He operates in your expectation of what he says he can do and will do. You know, thinking about Christmas. I have no idea why I was thinking about Christmas. How are we into summer? But do you know that, that parents go crazy at Christmas getting their kids way too many toys? But why is that? Because parents are feeding on the power of their children's expectation, their children's hope. It fills the atmosphere. It fills every conversation. They're expecting to wake up on Christmas morning and see all these gifts. And because of their hope, because of their expectation, because they know that they know that they know that there's going to be a gift for me, the parents go crazy and buy them tons of gifts. I believe God's the same way. God's a good father. The Bible says he loves 
giving good gifts to his children. But he is moved by our anticipation, by our expectation. He's moved by it. In Hebrews eleven sixteen, 16, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must, must, is that word again. You see this word a lot. Must believe that he exists. Listen, not only believe that he exists, but God wants us to believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards those who earnestly expect from him. You know, we pray every week here at the altar. We believe it's sacred. It's always been sacred in God's world from the Old Testament forward. But why does God do so many miracles at the altar? We see most of the miracles that happen in the church happen at the end of the church service at the altars. Why does God move so powerfully in that time of the service? Because I believe that it's the act of a person coming forward and expecting something to happen here. God uses that expectation, that faith to get out of their chair, to not take off. They're expecting, they're believing, they're coming forward with an expectation. We've seen parents struggling to have children. Then they come to the altar week after week, sometimes month after month, and even year after year. And then suddenly, suddenly, it's their moment. Suddenly, Jesus is walking by as they're crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me, suddenly. And you see them a few months later, And you're afraid to ask them, are you pregnant? Because you never know. I made that mistake. We see marriages here in the church that were once broken. And one of the spouses starts coming up to the altar, believing God, asking God, expecting God to move. The next thing you see, the other spouse is standing next to them on a Sunday. And the next thing you see that they're rededicating their vows or they were divorced and they're getting remarried right here in the church. Come on, that is happening over and over and over again because of expectation. Because of expectation. We see people once addicted, sick, coming to the altar expecting, God, one of these days I'm going to be free. And the day comes where the Lord says, I've heard your cry. I've seen your expectation. I've seen your stick I've seen you not giving up. 
The Bible says to, to knock, and it really says to keep knocking. Keep knocking. Keep asking the Lord. And God sees that expectation. And that expectation is, is a, a power that rises up through the atmosphere and, and is ascending before the throne room of God. And the angels and the elders are saying, there's some expectation rising. Where's this expectation coming from? Who's it coming from? Who's crying out to the Lord? And then God moves. Powerful how the Lord works. I want to read a testimony that I just read yesterday on our group meet thread, our team members group meet thread. And someone was encouraging someone else. And this is verbatim from someone in the church. It says, 21 years ago, when I was 22 weeks pregnant, the doctors told us that the baby will be born with Down syndrome. A few weeks later, they did a second test and they told us to abort the baby. My wife and I were talking about this. I cannot tell you how many times we've heard the same type of situation where a test is taken and they say abort the baby, abort the baby. And she goes on saying, my husband and I made the decision to have the baby. Thank God, she wrote, we have a healthy son, passionate for the house of the Lord. We have a healthy son, passionate for the house of the Lord. The couple that I'm talking about is Hector and Julia, and their son, Kenny, leads our Momentum Kids ministry. Thank God for believers who have the right perspective, who have a faith-filled perspective, who have an expectation that our God is with us. And whatever comes into our lives, God knows. And through God, all things are possible, but with him, we can do all things through Christ Jesus. Perspective. Today, I want to look at the story of a blind man named Bartimaeus in the Bible. And I want to give us three ways to set, to set a right perspective in our lives. See, just like you set your alarm, you need to set your perspective. Just like you set your calendar, you have to set your perspective. And some of you set your ovens. And I thank God for my wife sets the oven. She's a great cook. <laughs> Not many people setting ovens these days. Well, let's look at this passage of Scripture, Mark 10, 46. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city... A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout. He began to expect. 
his mentality shifted. And he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. You know, as we're praying today for what's happening in our nation, I hear demons say, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. We're going to shout the louder. Whenever a devil tells you to be quiet, you be bolder. You stand for truth. You stand up for Jesus. You stand up for what is right. Many rebuked him and told him, be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man and said, hey, cheer up. On your feet, Bartimaeus, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith, your expectation, your perspective has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. I want to give us three ways to set a right perspective in our lives that I believe we can see from this passage of Scripture. Number one, pray first. Cry out to God first for what you need. Jesus is asking, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus is asking, What do you want me to do for you? Pray first. Seek God first. You know, you're not called to be one of those Walmart shoppers on Black Friday. You ever see these videos? They're freaking out. They're lashing out. They're going crazy. Sometimes we go crazy And we have Jesus right there asking us, what do you want me to do? Pray first. See, the world seeks money first. The world seeks drugs and alcohol and anything that can numb you first. The world seeks carnal relationships, immoral relationships first. Jesus is over here asking, but what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? You know, when the Israelites wandered the desert after they were freed from captivity in Egypt, they wandered the desert for 40 years. God took care of them in the desert place. You might be in a desert place, but God's still working in your life. You can still expect. And in that place, God provided them with what they needed. He provided them with food. He gave them manna from heaven. He sent quail. And what's interesting, when you read that story, 
is the people tried to hoard it. They were told, listen, don't hoard the food. God will take care of you daily. What you need, he will provide. Don't hoard it. And they tried to hoard it. And as they hoarded it, as they got into a different perspective that they had to take care of themselves and not God, it went rancid. It went moldy. Probably got many people sick who ate it. It would go bad. And one day of the week, God gave them enough for two days. He provided every day, set manna and quail from heaven. On one day of the week, he provided enough for two days. Do you know what that day was? It was the day before the Sabbath. He said, we are not to work. We are to rest. Even God rested. And I will provide. We live in a society where we have to provide. Believers and non-believers. Seven days a week. Seven days a week. Got to get. Got to get. Got to get. One job. Two jobs. Three jobs. How do I get? How do I get? How do I get? Miss church. Miss church. Miss church. Miss church. Miss church. Dishonor the Sabbath. Dishonor the Sabbath. And then we wonder why our families are messed up. We wonder why the church is a weak. We wonder why our nation's going to hell because God wants to provide. Where's our expectation going to be? It needs to be in the Lord. It needs to be in His ways. Come on. God will always take care of you. He'll always give you enough. See, if you don't have a God-centered perspective, your perspective will become toxic to yourself, to your family, to your marriage, to your kids, and your life will go bad, just like the manna and quail went bad. Number two, three ways to set a right perspective. Number two, throw off anything and anyone robbing your faith and identity in Christ. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race mocked out for us. You know, sometimes as Christians... You feel like you're running the race alone. You're at work, in school, especially these days, you feel like you're the only one. You're running the race alone. You feel like the underdog. I believe God is showing us signs and wonders. You know, this, the, the horse, Rich Strike, which was the underdog in the Kentucky Derby, <clears throat> don't gamble. But it's interesting watching the videos. It was like this horse was running his own race, was operating in its own time. It was completely separate, was not even noticed by the announcer. And I say, Lord, is this a sign? Is this a wonder? 
that it's time that you're going to release the power of the Holy Spirit so strongly to believers that no longer will we be underdogs, but we will be those that lead and call people to repentance. Come on. And bring change to our nation. You know, in Mark 10, 50, when we read the story of Bartimaeus, it says, throwing his cloak aside, throwing off what was on him, <clears throat> he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. You know, sometimes that cloak is a cloak of despair. It's a cloak of depression. It's a cloak of shame, condemnation, fear, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. It's a cloak of, of a false identity. And the devil is a liar. He's a deceiver. And he covers you with this thing that wants to hold you back and cause you to, to live in a wrong perspective and not have any expectation for what God can do. You have to throw that thing off. You have to rip it off. You got to get that thing off and throw it off and say, that's not me. The spirit, that's not me. That old cloak, get rid of that thing. God's going to give me a coat, a cloak of many colors. God's going to replace the spirit with joy. God's going to replace condemnation with mercy and forgiveness. God's going to replace depression with a dance in your, your step and faith in your walk. God wants to rip that old cloak off of you. But let me tell you, you have to help him. You have to say, take it. Get rid of it. I don't want it. You know what's interesting? And I just learned this. I didn't really know this. That that Bartimaeus' coat, his cloak, was given to him by the government of that time. And they would give beggars, they would verify that this person truly is a person who is in need. He's not a scam artist. But this person is in need, and they would give them a cloak with a certain color, and it had an emblem on it, and basically, it was a certification that this person is a legitimate beggar. And the government would give this person a cloak, and here's Bartimaeus with this thing. And I was thinking about this because we have to be careful that we don't allow our perspective to be set up by government or culture. We get our perspective from the Word of God. We don't want any other power, authority, entity to cloak us and to put something on us that is contrary to God's Word. Otherwise, the world will be your covering. And in the world, there's despair, there's depression. There's no hope. There's no salvation. There's carnality. There's wrong thinking. There's addiction. There's every other thing but the cloak that Jesus wants to put on us of freedom, forgiveness, and eternal life. 
So we throw off anything that opposes God's word. That's the music ministry come forward. And number three, three ways to set a right perspective. You have to refuse. Listen, you have to refuse to isolate when you are struggling. You have to reject the tendency to go into hiding. You have to reject isolation. The devil will use isolation to destroy your God-given perspective and expectation. He wants you to isolate. He wants you to be separated from the body of Christ. He wants you to be separated from, from the right people, the right place. He wants to isolate you. See, Bartimaeus cried out when the right people showed up. Jesus and his disciples, he knew, this is my opportunity. This is my opportunity. This is the place. This is the time that God's going to change my life. Don't run to your old sin. Don't go back to the old perspective. Don't go back to the wrong people. When you have the right people, Jesus and his disciples, don't go back to the wrong places. When God has put you in the right place to give you everything he wants you to have in your life, to bless your life. Today, I believe that some people here are going to have a Bartimaeus moment. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with family and friends. It helps so much. For more content with Legacy and to connect with us, go to LegacyChurchRI.com. The best is yet to come.